In 2008, Barack Obama made history by becoming the first man of color elected president of the United States. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, tonight is your answer. Twelve years later, Kamala Harris made history by becoming the first woman of color elected vice president of the United States. To the children of our country, our country has sent you a clear message. Dream with ambition. Lead with conviction. And see yourselves in a way that others may not. But decades earlier, when Barack Obama and Kamala Harris were still little kids, Someone else made his own historic way to the highest halls of power in U.S. government. His name was Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall was the first African-American to serve on the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land. He was also a pioneering civil rights leader, a trailblazing civil rights lawyer, and a courageous, compassionate man who fought tirelessly for human rights and human dignity so that one day there might truly be liberty and justice for all. I'm Rebecca Shear, and this is Who, When, Wow. Our past is vast and wild. Many things have brought us to this day. As history has been compiled, some important details have slipped away. In our spectacular shared existence, we consider it our business to recognize a few folks you may not know. Made important inventions, asked all the right questions, history will never be the same. grown-ups. On the Nintendo Switch system, there's so many worlds you can explore. Like Hyrule, where I can fight enemies and save the kingdom with Link. <laughs> that sounds adventurous. Or my very own island in Animal Crossing New Horizons, where I can fish whenever I want. Whoa, look at the size of that thing. You can find even more worlds to explore on the Nintendo Switch system. Games rated E to E10+. Games and systems sold separately. When Thurgood Marshall was born in Baltimore, Maryland on July 2nd, 1908, it was 40-some years after the 13th Amendment banned slavery in the United States. But it was only 12 years after Plessy versus Ferguson. That's the landmark Supreme Court case ruling that it's totally legal to segregate black people and white people in public places, to separate them. As long as the facilities for each race are equal in quality. It became known as separate but equal. So all over the South, including Baltimore, you saw segregation in restaurants, theaters, buses, trains, swimming pools, department stores, bathrooms, drinking fountains, and schools. All right, students. Before we break for recess, let's review the five times table. Five times one is five. 
And at Thurgood Marshall's school, would you believe that this future civil rights leader and Supreme Court justice was actually the class clown? Everybody line up for recess. Yep. Thurgood was always goofing off, horsing around, and playing pranks. Norma, what's wrong? I can't get out of my seat, Phil. My bottom is stuck to the chair. It's like somebody glued it. And I know just who that somebody was. Thurgood Marshall? How many times do I have to tell you not to glue your classmates' butts to their chairs? It is not funny. It is disruptive to the class. And you know what the principal has you do every time you disrupt the class, Thurgood? Go to the school basement and memorize another passage from the United States Constitution. That's right. Now go. Okay, so this may sound like an odd punishment, but it was true. Every time Thurgood got in trouble, and he got in trouble a lot, he was sent to the basement to memorize part of the Constitution, the document America's leaders wrote in 1787 to lay out laws for their new country. Within a matter of years, Thurgood knew the whole thing by heart. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, Decades later, when Thurgood Marshall became the first black Supreme Court justice, he would keep a copy of the Constitution in his pocket, just in case he needed to... Wait a minute, Rebecca Shear. You're going to skip all the way to the part where I become a Supreme Court justice? No, of course not. I was just, I don't know, foreshadowing? You know, I never would have even become a Supreme Court justice if I hadn't become a lawyer. And I never would have become a lawyer if it hadn't been for my dad. Mind if we bring him in really quick? Oh, not at all. Swell. Dad, can you get over here? Can I get over here what? (laughs) Can you get over here, please? That's better. Hang on. So my dad, he loved the law, but he never got enough education to be a lawyer. So on his days off from his waitering job, he would... I would bring young Thurgood to the courthouse in Baltimore, and we would watch the lawyers argue their cases. I love that. And you also did your share of arguing at home, right? Debating, I mean? (laughs) We sure did. We argued five out of seven nights at the dinner table. More like six out of seven nights. No, five. Six. Regardless, we argued about everything. Current events, world problems, race relations. And Dad always made sure I presented my views like a good lawyer would. With strength, logic, and evidence to support my argument. So even though your father never really told you to become a lawyer... He turned me into one. Aw, thank you, son. But speaking of becoming a lawyer, your mother and I worked extra hard to send you to law school. She even sold her engagement and wedding rings to pay your tuition. So I should get back to work. And I guess I should head off to law school. Okay, why don't we skip to that part then? Terrific! Wow, Thurgood, you sure sound different. Well, what do you expect? I was 22 when I started at Howard University Law School, an all-black college in Washington, D.C. I wasn't a kid anymore. Nor were you a class clown. Nope. I worked my tail off. And when I wasn't in class or studying at the library, I was down at the United States Supreme Court building, watching the lawyers and the justices, and it was like heaven just to be able to... Uh Uh-oh. 
Time for class. And my professor is tough. Gotta run. Back when Thurgood was applying to law schools, his first choice was actually the University of Maryland. But they only accepted white students. So he went to Howard, which turned out to be great because he got to study under Charles Hamilton Houston, the first African-American lawyer ever to argue a case before the Supreme Court. Welcome, class. Today we are discussing the 1896 Supreme Court case that kickstarted the doctrine of separate but equal, Plessy versus Ferguson. Hamilton had a reputation for being super serious and super tough. Behind his back, his students called him names like Iron Shoes and Cement Pants and a few others I probably shouldn't I'm sorry, Rebecca Shear. Are you talking in the middle of my lecture? And what did my students call me? I, I'm sorry, Professor. I'm just providing some background to show what a, what a mentor, what a role model you were for Thurgood Marshall. Well, I did do my best to teach him that lawyers should be more than just lawyers. They should be social engineers. And what did you mean by that? He meant that if we did our job right, we could use the Constitution to change society, make things fair. We could use the law as a tool for fighting discrimination and segregation. Very good, Mr. Marshall. But if you'll excuse me, Rebecca Shear, I should get back to my lecture. Old Iron Shoes has a lot to cover today. Or should I say, cement pants. Anyway... When we talk about separate but equal... This idea of being a social engineer, of using the law to change society, it stuck with Thurgood. After he graduated from law school, top of his class, by the way, he went to work with Houston as a lawyer at the nation's leading civil rights organization, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or NAACP. Their first big case was near and dear to Thurgood's heart. It was against the University of Maryland, where Thurgood didn't apply to law school because they only took white people? In 1935, he and Houston represented a black man who did apply to Maryland's law school and was rejected because of his race. Boy, oh boy. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't excited to win that one. So how did you build your argument? Well, what does it say in Section 1 of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution? You're asking me, Thurgood Marshall? Aren't you the one who memorized the Constitution and carried a copy in your pocket? Well, in a nutshell, it says that all U.S. citizens have equal rights and protection under the law. Mm-hmm. And that no state can mess with the, quote, privileges of a U.S. citizen. In other words, their rights. Mm-hmm. And no state can, quote, deprive a citizen of their life, liberty, or property. So no state can take them away. Exactly. But wasn't the University of Maryland messing with my client's privilege of going to his desired law school? I'd say so. Wasn't it depriving him of the liberty to attend? Absolutely. Not only that, but going back to separate but equal, the University of Maryland told my client he could get a separate but equal law education at another school nearby, an all-black college called Princess Anne Academy. But what they failed to mention is that Princess Anne Academy did not have a law school. So it was separate. But not at all equal. And I'm pleased to report that the judge agreed. On June 25th, 1935, we won the case. And the University of Maryland opened its doors to all students, regardless of race. That it did. 
It was a major breakthrough, but boy, we had a lot more battles to come. And after the break, we'll talk about one of the biggest battles of all. Well, if we're going to take a pause, how about you use that time to get up to speed on the U.S. Constitution? Here, take my copy. Oh, thanks. But um, do you mind tossing to the break while I get started? Not at all. Okay. We, the people of the United States... So, how much of the Constitution will Rebecca Shear be able to memorize? Wait, you want me to memorize this? And what is this big battle we referred to just a moment ago? Like, memorize the whole thing? We'll find out when Who Win Wow continues. Mindy here from Wow in the World. And do your kids ever ask you questions like, is Bigfoot real? What happened to Amelia Earhart? Or who ate my pie? If this sounds like your kid, you have got to check out Who Win Wow Mystery Edition. On Who Win Wow, host Carly Q travels back in time to solve history's greatest mysteries, like the Bermuda Triangle, the Loch Ness Monster, UFO sightings, and so much more. It pairs perfectly with a long car drive, after-school pickup, or with a slice of pie. Life has so many unsolved mysteries. At least you can solve the mystery of what podcast to listen to next. Follow Who Win Wow on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can listen to Who Win Wow Mystery Edition early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Welcome back to Who and Wow. I'm Rebecca Shear. Today we're talking about civil rights pioneer Thurgood Marshall. When we left off, Thurgood Marshall was gearing up to argue one of the biggest cases of his career, and I was memorizing the U.S. Constitution. All right, Rebecca Shear. Curveball question. Instead of reciting the 14th Amendment, quick. Tell me the overall gist. The overall gist of the 14th Amendment. Okay, okay. Um, basically, it granted citizenship and equal civil and legal rights to African Americans and enslaved people who had been freed after the Civil War. Very good. And just like my lawsuit against the University of Maryland, that amendment came into play big time in what many historians consider the biggest case of my career. That's right. Brown versus Board of Education of Topeka. For a little background, how about we uh, roll the film? It's early in the morning and the sun's not yet up. But guess who is? Nine-year-old Linda Brown, an African-American elementary student in Topeka, Kansas. Linda, come down for breakfast. You've got quite a journey ahead. Linda's mother's right. She does have quite a journey ahead. The nearest elementary school is just seven blocks away. But Linda's not going there. It's for whites only. Instead, she'll walk all the way to this noisy railroad yard. I said to this noisy and busy railroad yard where she'll make the dangerous crossing by foot, 
From there, Linda will board a bus and ride all the way to another elementary school. This one for blacks only. Why? Because school segregation is still legal in 21 states, including Kansas. And this country needs a change. When Thurgood Marshall argued Brown versus Board of Education, he had already argued a dozen Supreme Court cases, helping strike down state segregation laws in voting, housing, and transportation. With Brown, he was determined to finally strike down state laws allowing segregation in public schools. Oye, oye, oye! All persons having business before the Honorable, the Supreme Court of the United States, are admonished to draw near and give their attention, for the court is now sitting. In December 1952, as Thurgood Marshall stood before the nine justices in the highest court in the land, he did just what his father taught him back in Baltimore. He presented his views with strength, logic, and evidence to support his argument and to punch holes in the argument of his opponent, a well-known white attorney named John W. Davis. May it please the court, I argue that segregation guarantees peace and order. Put children of different races together in a classroom and who knows what unrest will occur. Unrest, counselor? Kids in segregated states play in the streets together. They play on their farms together. They go down the road together. They play ball together. You act as though putting them in school together will make the world fall apart. Well, I say we put these children where they are wanted. Keep them separate, but equal, I say. Equal, counselor? Equal means getting the same thing at the same time and in the same place. That is equal. During the trial, Thurgood did something no civil rights lawyer had ever done before. He brought in psychologists, experts who study emotions and behavior, to provide evidence for his case. Dr. Clark, you and your wife are respected experts in the field of psychology. Tell us about the doll test the two of you conducted in black schools. Well, we showed children ages three through seven two different sets of dolls. One set had dark skin and dark hair. The other had light skin and light hair. When we asked the kids to choose which dolls they thought were good, three out of every four kids chose the light dolls. So are you saying that segregation makes black children feel inferior? Like they're not as good as whites? That's what the evidence suggests. It damages their self-esteem. I believe this feeling will stay with them the rest of their lives. Brown versus Board of Education dragged on for nearly two years. And finally, on May 17, 1954, in a courtroom packed with black and white spectators and reporters, the Chief Justice announced the Supreme Court's decision. The question is, does separation in public schools solely on the basis of race deprive the children of the minority group of equal educational opportunities? We believe that it does. Therefore, this court unanimously rules that in public education, the idea of separate but equal has no place. Separate educational facilities are by nature unequal. It was official. Thurgood Marshall had won the case. This unanimous decision, meaning all nine justices agreed, it was groundbreaking. 
because it made segregation illegal in American public schools. It also made Thurgood Marshall the most famous lawyer in the country. Okay, but like I told my colleagues at the time, I don't want any of you to fool yourselves. The fight has just begun. There was a lot more work to do in the quest for equality. True, but after Brown, you have to admit you were a national hero. They even wrote a song about you, to the tune of the Davy Crockett theme song. You mean Thurgood Marshall, Mr. Civil Rights? It was a little much, if you ask me. You're not going to sing it, are you? Of course not. Phew. I'm going to play it on this record. What? Fought for the teachers, fought for the schools. Went down south where they broke all the rules. Now he's working on the swimming pools. Justice and right are his fighting tools. Thurgood, Thurgood Marshall, Mr. Civil Rights. Thurgood. Thurgood Marshall, why'd you turn it off? Oh, come on. All these people singing my praises? I was just doing what was right. Fighting the good fight. Well, I can't think of anyone who fought harder. As a lawyer with the NAACP, you argued 32 Supreme Court cases and won 29 of them. That's more than any lawyer in history. You were amazing. If you don't believe me, listen to this. Who Won Wild News presents Thurgood Marshall, Mr. Civil Rights. Oh, no. He's not going to sing the song, is he? No, I am not. My wife says I couldn't carry a tune if I held it in a bucket. But I am going to take our listeners through some of your epic achievements as a civil rights lawyer. All right. Fine. 1955, in Montgomery, Alabama, Rosa Parks refuses to give her seat on a city bus to a white person. People always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired. But that isn't true. I was not tired physically. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. When a whole group of women who've also been discriminated against on city buses want to take action, who represents them at the Supreme Court and wins? Thurgood Marshall, Mr. Civil Rights. 1959, Arkansas passes a law that actually opposes the Supreme Court's decision in Brown versus Board of Education and the state refuses to desegregate schools. Close our schools! Close our schools! When 33 African-American students band together to fight this racist policy, who represents them at the Supreme Court and wins? Well? Um, Thurgood Marshall, Mr. Civil Rights? That's right! Thurgood! Thurgood, Marshall! Mr. Civil! Oh, yep, my wife's right. I should stick to the news! In 1961, Thurgood Marshall made an interesting career move. He went from arguing cases to deciding them. When Massachusetts native and U.S. President John F. Kennedy called him up with a job offer. Hello? Thurgood Marshall? President John F. Kennedy here. I'm calling with a wicked exciting opportunity. I'd like to make you a judge on the United States Court of Appeals. You mean the higher court where people take their cases when they aren't satisfied with the lower court's decision? Yes, sir. You'd be an absolute ringer for the job. 
Your legal knowledge goes on for days. Well, Mr. President, I'd only be the second African-American to hold such a position. Well, thanks to you, Mr. Marshall, the tides are turning. Civil rights are moving forward. There's plenty of hard work ahead, but with your help, this country will have a brighter future. Think about it and get back to me. Thurgood Marshall spent four years on the U.S. Court of Appeals. He wrote over 100 decisions, some of which were appealed to an even higher court, the Supreme Court, and not one of those decisions was ever overturned or reversed. So it's no surprise that in 1965, the new U.S. president, Texas native Lyndon B. Johnson, called Thurgood up with another offer. Hello? Thurgood Marshall. President Lyndon B. Johnson here. I'm not going to piddle around, see, so let me get right to it. I'm hankering to make you my new Solicitor General. You mean the lawyer who represents the national government in cases before the Supreme Court? Yes, sir. With a stellar mind like yours, you'd be sharp as all get out. Well, Mr. President, no other African American has ever held such a high government position. Well, then you'd be the first. Civil rights have come a long way, Thurgood. We are fixing to end segregation in this country, and with you as Solicitor General, we can finally send it packing. So give it a good think over and get back to me, all right? Bye. As Solicitor General, Thurgood argued 19 cases before the Supreme Court. He won all but five. And after two years, President Johnson called him up again. Hello? Thurgood? Lyndon here. Listen, I'm fixing to make you my new Supreme Court justice. You mean one of the nine judges who serve on the highest court in the land? Well, this ain't your first rodeo. With your knowledge and experience, you'll definitely get it done. Well, Mr. President, the Supreme Court's been around nearly 180 years, and it hasn't had a black justice yet. Well, we're going to change that right quick. I believe it is the right thing to do, the right time to do it, the right man, and the right place. Darn to. Thurgood Marshall was over the moon to be nominated for the Supreme Court, but he knew he had to hold his horses, so to speak, Because before you join the Supreme Court, you have to be confirmed. A majority of U.S. senators have to approve you, give you the green light. Up until now, we're talking 1967, all but one Supreme Court nominee had sailed through the approval process, the confirmation hearing, in under a day. And they were allowed to bring witnesses, people who could speak on their behalf and talk about how great they were. Well, Thurgood Marshall's confirmation took five days and he wasn't allowed any witnesses at all. Why? Because despite the strides of the civil rights movement, racism was still alive and kicking in the South. And some powerful Southern senators didn't much like the idea of a black Supreme Court justice. So hour after hour, day after day, they grilled Thurgood with question after question, trying to throw him off. And the questions were so specific and confusing, and some may argue irrelevant, it played out like a bad game show. Welcome to The Answer is Right, or at least it better be. Let's give it up for today's host, South Carolina Senator Strom Thurmond, who is not a fan of civil rights at all. Take it away, Strom. Thank you, Johnny. 
Turning now to our contestant, Mr. Thurgood Marshall, on the 14th Amendment, what committee actually framed or wrote the amendment, and who were its members? I don't know, sir. Why do you think the framers of the original version of the first section of the 14th Amendment added the necessary and proper clause from Article 1, Section 8, to the Privileges and Immunities Clause of Article 4, Section 2. I don't know, sir. What color socks am I wearing today? I don't... Do I prefer my eggs scrambled or sunny side up? I... Did Thomas Jefferson prefer his eggs scrambled or sunny side up? I... No further questions. Okay, so things didn't actually get that weird, but... They got pretty weird. Yet Thurgood Marshall held his own. He provided plenty of brilliant responses, never crumpling or bowing under pressure. And after five grueling days, 69 senators voted in favor of Thurgood joining the Supreme Court. Yay! Eleven, Strom Thurmond included, voted against. Yay! Twenty senators didn't vote at all. And on Monday, October 2nd, 1967, Thurgood Marshall was sworn in as the first black justice on the United States Supreme Court. Repeat after me. I, Thurgood Marshall, do solemnly swear. I, Thurgood Marshall. As a Supreme Court justice, Thurgood continued supporting civil rights for all Americans. But as he got older, his health began to suffer. And in 1991, after 24 years on the court, he retired. Two years later, he died. He was 84. 20,000 mourners flocked to the Great Hall of the Supreme Court, where Thurgood Marshall's casket lay in state. They wanted to pay their respects to this extraordinary man who believed that the opening words of the U.S. Constitution, we the people, should include all the people. And that if we work hard enough, if we fight hard enough, Perhaps someday we truly can form a more perfect union. Hey, Prime members! You can listen to Who When Wow Mystery Edition early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with the Wondery Plus Kids in Apple Podcasts or Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. And grown-ups, before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Who When Wow is an original Tinkercast production. Our show is written by me, Rebecca Shear. Eric Shimalonis is the mastermind behind our original music and sound design. Meredith Halpern-Ranzer, Mindy Thomas, and Guy Raz serve as our show's executive producers, with additional production assistance from Henry Moskal. Our Who When Wow theme song was composed and performed by The Pop-Ups. For more on their three-time Grammy-nominated all-ages music, find them at thepopups.com. Special thanks to this week's actors. Evan Casey, Theodore Chin, Kevin Corbett, Kenny Curtis, Ryan DeLusung, Henry Moskal, Elijah Ramsey, Erica Rose, Jefferson A. Russell, Mike Smith, Don Ursula, and Charlie Wess. Want to keep the Who and Wow experience going all week long? Grown-ups, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Our handle is at Who and Wow Pod. 
Visit whowhenwow.com for free activities and resources that extend the wow after each episode. We couldn't put the wow in who and wow without you. So thanks for listening. Now get out there and make a difference in your world. You could be the next who to wow the future. Who and wow was made by Tinkercast and sent to you by Wondery.